You know, there are some things in life that just make us go, what is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you right now? Right? Like, whenever it's your day off of work and your boss calls you, and you look at your phone, like, what is wrong with you? I am not answering my phone on my day off of work, right? You let that go to voicemail, see what he wants, and then still don't call back, right? That's all we do. Like, what's wrong with you? I was looking on the internet this week, and I found different things that people did for money that just made me go, what is wrong with you? This was one of them. This kid licked the floor of his school bus for $20. Not just like a taste, but like a full-on licking of the floor of the school bus. What is wrong with you? Why would you do that? That's so gross. Or this one. I got paid $10 to put Legos inside my socks and then walked around like that for 30 minutes. Every parent in the room is going, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Or this one. I pepper sprayed myself at a party for $35. Come on. What's wrong with you? Or this one's my favorite. I ate a used Band-Aid from the floor of the computer science room for $22. Man, that's gross. What is wrong with you? For $22, come on. Some things happen that you just go, man, what is wrong with you? We're in this series called What is Wrong with You? And we're not really trying to ask that question about somebody else. We're trying to ask that question to ourselves. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then we're trying to ask you, and we're having trying to have you ask yourself, what is wrong with you? Okay, because... Non-Christians, people who don't go to church, people who are not used to following Jesus, don't do this whole thing, they will oftentimes look at Christians, look at the church, and go, man, what is wrong with you people? Like, you people are really weird. You wake up early on a Sunday on your day off to go somewhere, to go to church. You're really weird in the way you act towards people. Man, you use some really weird words in normal everyday language, like righteousness. Who uses that in the middle of a sentence? Or tithe, or blessings. Man, you, what is wrong with you people? A lot of times non-Christians will kind of have that mindset towards people who go to church or who are, are Christians who say they're believers in Jesus. They'll think, man, what is wrong with you people? A lot of times people who are outside the church walls will think Christians are pretty judgmental uh, we're pretty fake. We're just pretending to be nice to people. And we've actually been talking about a couple of those things during this series. And if you missed either of the past two weeks, I suggest you go online and listen to those sermons. They've been really, really good to try to help you, if you're a Christian, understand the mindset of somebody who's not a Christian and what they might think, possibly think, about people who do go to church and churches in general. And today we're going to kind of focus in on one question specifically, and that question is, what's the catch? You know, because somebody who is not a Christian and they think that Christians are fake or judgmental, and then when somebody's nice to them that's a Christian, they think, hold on a second, what's the catch? What do you really want from me? Right? Christians, a lot of times, churches will get the rep that uh, churches just want your money. Right? Have you heard that before? Well, the church is just out for my money. They just want me to go there so that I give money. And that makes sense that we get that reputation sometimes because every week, every Sunday, we ask for your money. Right? Like we say, okay, it's time for the service to get out your wallets and uh, give us your money. Put it in the plate as it goes by. 
Because we do want your money. <laughs> so we get the rep that, well, we probably just want their money. That's why we want people here. Or a lot of times in church, we get the bad rep of, we just want you to sign up for something. We just want you to volunteer. We just want you to help out. We just want you to come to church on Sunday so that you can serve in kids' ministry. Because we got kids running all over the place. Okay? So there's, there's the catch right there, right? So we get that kind of reputation sometimes inside the church, that there's got to be a catch. Churches all across the world and churches all across our country deal with this all the time, kind of some bad stereotypes and reputations that go along with it. And you know what? So do the churches in our community, and so does our church specifically. I was talking with a friend the other day, and she was meeting with a group of people in our town. And something came up, they were trying to plan an event, and they needed a certain product for the event. And they didn't have room in the budget to afford the product, and so they were going to try to ask some local businesses and find out if anybody has the product and they could just borrow it for what they needed. And my friend mentioned to the group, hey, Taylorville Christian Church has one of those, maybe we could ask them. And right away, somebody from the group says, oh, no, no, don't ask them. That church likes to keep to themselves. Right? So somehow that reputation is out there for churches in general, in our community. There's some people who just view the church as no way would the church want to help me out. No way would Christians want to help me out. They're just going to stay over there. And then when they do act nice to me, when they do say something to me, there's probably a catch. They're probably just wanting something in return for being nice. So what's the catch? And if you're a Christian... If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that there is no catch, right? There's no catch. There's nothing you're trying to do. There's no secret you're trying to get. There's not something that you really want from them. When you're nice to people, you're just genuinely being nice to people. You like to see people succeed. You want the best of people. You believe God loves everyone. You believe that everyone's got a good future ahead of them. And you're just trying to help. You invite people to church not because you're trying to trick them into something, but because you know that going to church is good for you. And you would love to see your friend join you at church because you know it will help your friend out. And actually, even when it comes to giving money, you know that if somebody gives money to the church on a regular basis and that's a habit in their life, it's actually good for them, right? It's good to give money to the church and to bless people with your finances. You know that that's good for other people to do that, so of course you would encourage it. Even when it comes to serving, you know that it would be good for your friend to serve in the church. That would be a good thing. Anytime you serve anybody else, you always get blessed in return, don't you? So you know it's good to actually volunteer of your time and do something for somebody else. So Christians usually have a good heart behind what they're trying to do and trying to help people, but there's just two mindsets going on. There's the mindset of the Christian who knows that there's no catch, that we're just trying to help, we're trying to be a blessing to you. See, there's the word blessing. We're just trying to be kind to you. And then the non-Christian mindset sometimes is there's got to be a catch. They just want my money. There's some type of a trick. There's no way. It's, it's too good to be true, so it probably ain't true because that's what we've learned in life. And today we're going to look at God's view on this whole thing. And what we're going to find out is that God is for people. God's for people. He's for all people. He's for Christians. He's for non-Christians. He's for each person walking on this earth because he created each person on this earth. And so he's for all people. And if you were to look at Scripture and study Scripture, you see that over and over again throughout Scripture. Time and time again, there's a story of somebody in the Bible who God is simply for. Think about the story of Moses. You know Moses, right? Murderer Moses. We don't usually think of him that way, but he's the guy who committed murder. 
And then he ran away so he didn't have to face the consequences for his choices. Awesome. And this guy finds favor with God. And God is still good to Moses. They actually have this conversation uh, in the book of Exodus. In chapter 33 of Exodus, Moses and God have this conversation. And Moses says to God, If you're pleased with me, God, then teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And the Lord replied to him, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Murderer Moses says, God, if you're pleased with me, be with me and have favor on me. And God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to be with you. Why? Are we supposed to think that, okay, God's okay with murder? God's okay with Moses committing murder and then running away from the consequences for that? No. Right? Anytime you study Scripture, you can't just pick out like a couple verses and think you can come up with the answer to something. You've got to look at all of the Bible and how it all works together. And you can look in other parts of the Bible and you can clearly see that God's not a fan of murder. Makes sense, right? Jesus talked about it. God talked about it. Not a fan of murder, okay? So God is not for murder, but God is for Moses. Why? Because God is for people. Think about Rahab. Rahab's the girl who worked hard for her money. Uh, uh, so hard for it, honey. Uh, uh. You know that song? She worked hard for her money, right? She was a prostitute. You know the story of Rahab. God's going to destroy the whole city. And he chooses to save Rahab and her family. Why? Is God okay with Rahab and her chosen profession? No. Come on, look at Scripture. Read the other parts of Scripture. You can see that God would not approve of that. God's not for that. But you know what? God's for Rahab because God's for people. Think about Noah, the story of Noah, right? And the flood, God looked down on his earth and he sees chaos. He's like, this place is a mess. I gotta clean this up. I gotta start over. He's like, okay, I'm gonna save all the animals. I'm gonna save one family, have a big flood, and we'll start over from scratch. So out of all the people on earth, he chooses Noah and his family. They build this ark, they get all the animals in, and it rains and it floods, and then finally when it stops and the water goes back down, they get off the ark. And the very first thing Noah does, do you know what Noah does when he gets off the ark? This is the part we don't put in the children's book. Okay? Noah gets off the ark and gets drunk and runs around naked. That's what he does. That's his night after they get off the boat. Is God okay with that? No, come on, man. Look through Scripture, and you'll see that God actually says, don't be a drunkard. But God is for Moses. I mean, excuse me, Noah. God's for Noah because God is for people. We can go all day. Look at Paul. Paul was a terrible person. Paul was a mass murderer. He went around killing people and organized the arrest and, and killings of Christians all over. That was Paul. That's a guy whose God's wrath should have come down upon. And instead, when Paul was at his worst, God looked at him and saw the diamond underneath and chose to believe in him. 
And he meets him on the road to Damascus, and he changes his life. If you know that story, it's a great story of a guy who's going the complete wrong, wrong way. God intervenes, and now his life goes in a whole other direction. Paul goes on to write most of the New Testament. He goes on to be the leader of the church after Jesus. That's Paul. Is God okay with the way Paul was living his life? No. He's not okay with the actions that he took and the things that he did. But God is for Paul because God is for people. He may not always agree with what people do or what people think or what people say, but he is for people because that's who God is. Our God is for people. And when someone's for you, it feels really good, doesn't it? It feels really good when you know somebody's for you and they want the best for you and they're behind you no matter what. I know when I look at my life, there's one person who without a doubt is for me. And that's my mom. My mom is for me no matter what I do. I could turn out to be the worst person in the world. I can make all the wrong decisions. I can just have a life of destruction and terrible things. And my mom will still look at me and say, I love you. I'm for you. Because she's my mom. And she's for me. And it feels really good when you know somebody is for you. And our God is for people. He may not always agree with what somebody does. He may not always agree with what people say. But there's no catch behind this. God is simply for people. And he believes the best in each person that's walking around. Because he's for people. You know, I coached this kid in football. I used to coach this kid in football. He's a great kid, and he's pretty, pretty good on the field as well. But he would always like get himself all worked up in his head, and he'd get so worried about whether or not he's doing a good job on the field. He was never really sure if, if he was doing the right thing. Like Whenever a coach would yell or when I would yell, he'd get all worked up in his head and not really sure if he's doing all right. So one day I pulled him aside, and we had a conversation. And we talked about creating a system where I can give him a signal when he's on the field, and he'll know if he's doing a good job or not. So we had three different signals. One was a thumbs up. I'd give him a thumbs up, and that would mean, like, dude, you're doing awesome. You're so focused today. You're doing the best that you can. Man, I love your effort and your work ethic. You're doing awesome, dude. Keep it up. Or I'd give him a sideways thumb. And that would mean, like, meh, you're doing all right, you know, but you could be doing better. I know you can do better if you just focus a little bit more, work a little bit harder. You're going to do that much better, dude. Let's go. Step it up. Or I'd give him a thumbs down. That would mean, hey, you are not doing good right now. You need to pick it up, or I'm going to replace you. I'm going to get you off. I'm going to get somebody else in this game, because I know you can do better, and you're off thinking about Doritos or something. You need to pick it up and get with it. All right, so that was the system we had. And then from then on out, he would know how he's doing based on just looking at me, and I can give him a quick signal, and boom, we're ready to go. But the problem with this was I was worried that then he would start to think that his value or his worth comes from how I think he's doing on the field. And that I was worried that he would think that his performance actually equaled his value in life. So we created a fourth signal. And the fourth signal was two thumbs up. I know, I'm really creative, okay? <laughs> two thumbs up. 
And two thumbs up, I told him, two thumbs up is going to mean how I feel about you. And here's how I feel about you. I know that you were created in the image of God and that you are his masterpiece and that he gave you talents and abilities to use. And I know that you are valuable and you are lovable and you are fantastic. And I am proud of you no matter what you do on the field. So from then on out, he would look at me during a game. I'd tell him how he's doing with one of the thumbs up. But then, right after that, I'd give him two thumbs up to remind him that, hey, bud, I am for you. And it feels really good when you know someone is for you. And the truth is, God is for people. There is no catch. So for us as a church, we need to follow in God's footsteps. If our God is for people, then our church is for people. All people. No matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, we are for all people. Doesn't mean we're all going to agree on how we're supposed to live or what habits we're supposed to have or the way we're supposed to talk or the lifestyle we're supposed to have. We're not all going to agree on all of those things. That's okay. We're still going to be for people because our God is for people. And if we're going to start to be a church and we're going to continue to be a church that is for people, then we've got work to do. Because okay, there's a lot of people outside the church walls and even in our community that would never imagine that God would be for them. It would never imagine that a church, any church, would be for them. So when we go to be nice, they think, what's the catch? So if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be people who are for other people, then we've got to change some things in our minds. You know, some thoughts in our own minds need to change. Because if we're honest, sometimes we don't think positively about certain people. We need to start in our minds being for people and knowing that, hey, I know I don't agree with that or whatever they're doing or whatever they're saying, but you know what? I'm still for that person. I still believe the best in that person because my God believes in that person and wants the best for them. So we've got to change that in our minds, man. And we've got to change the words that we use, too. We've got to be really careful that we're using our words to build people up and remind people that we care about them, that we love them, that we want the best for them, that we're for them. We can convince people of that with the words that we use. And finally, we've got to do it in our actions. We've got to be careful with our actions and what we do. And we have to actually show people love in action so people know that, hey, God is for you and I'm for you too. Oh, and my church is for you too. And over time, we can convince people that there's really no catch our God is simply for all people, and our church is simply for all people. Here's what I know about God. Right now, God is looking down on each one of us in this room, and he's looking down on every single person in our community, and he's giving each one of us two thumbs up, and he's saying, I am for you. So as a church... We are also for people. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the example that you set for us. Thank you for all the people in the Bible that you choose to be for even when they're at their worst. Thank you for choosing to be for each one of us even when we're at our worst. 
Thank you for always being for us and always building us up and encouraging us. Lord, as we go out this week into the world, would you help us to be for people in our minds, in our words, and in our actions? We pray it in your son's name. Amen.